0: Well, happy Mother's Day! Thank you for being here and being a part of this special service as we honor our moms. And I I found this study this week that Welch's Juice Company did. They did some research and about the workloads and the schedules of two thousand American moms. Now, the moms that they that they studied were ages five through twelve. They had children. I'm sorry, had children. (laughs) I was just trying to see if you're awake. I'm glad to know that you are. So the moms that they studied had children ages 5 through 12. You know what they discovered? They discovered their role is equivalent to two and a half full-time jobs. You moms aren't surprised by that at all, are you? The average mom starts her day at 6.23 a.m. and doesn't end her day until 8.31 p.m. Yeah, that's early. (laughs) The average downtime that they have in that window of time, the average downtime that they have is just 67 minutes, which is basically a little long lunch break. And then those 14-hour days that they're working add up to 98 hours throughout a nonstop seven-days-a-week regimen because moms don't get Saturdays off or Sundays off. And so they're working basically 98 hours a week. And the lesson from that research is this. Never, men, listen to me, I'm going to help you. Never, when you meet a lady and she's a mother, never ask them, so do you work? That'll help some of you, all right? But moms, in addition to all that you do just to keep the family going, in addition to that two and a half jobs that you do, full-time jobs that you're working to keep your family going, In addition to that, if you are a Christian mom, you also have the added responsibility of teaching your children to love and obey God. I mean, you have this huge responsibility on your shoulders just to be a mom, and then added to that is the responsibility to be a godly mom, and to teach them about God and and how they can know God. And you basically are your child's first spiritual teacher, and you are your child's greatest mentor. You are your child's greatest model of what it means to be a Christian. And while they're under your care, you pray a lot, I'm sure. You pray for their salvation. You pray that they would uh, trust Christ as Savior. You pray that they would treasure God's Word. You pray that they would serve the Lord. And you've got all of that responsibility and all of that worry, all of that concern on your shoulders. That's why one writer described a parent as, as the best of jobs and the worst of jobs. And the author said, the reason it's the best of jobs is because when things are going well, there's not a feeling in the world like it. When your kids are doing good and things are happening well in your family, it is a wonderful, joyous feeling. The writer said, but it's also the worst of jobs because when your kids aren't doing well, when things aren't going good in your family, when things go wrong, you could feel like a failure more so than any other time and in any other way. But all parents, I've got some good news for you especially for you moms. Our children's lives don't have to be left to chance. There is something that you can start doing to make a positive difference in the lives of your children, regardless of how old your children are. It's never too early or never too late. It doesn't matter if your child is three weeks old and perfect, or 30 years old and hooked on drugs. There's something you can do for your children. And it's one of the most powerful things that you can do, and that's this. You can pray every day over every situation your child faces. You see, when we pray consistently for our children, moms, dads, when we pray consistently for our children, uh, five things happen. First, we are admitting that we can't do it all on our own. When we're praying consistently, we're saying, God, I can't do this. God, I can't handle this. When we're praying consistently for our children, we're turning to the greatest parent ever, our Heavenly Father. We're saying, Lord, we need insight. We need help. When we're praying consistently for our children, we're giving them to God on a daily basis. Rather than running to God when they're in trouble, it's better to give them to God on a daily basis. So when you're praying for your children every day, you're giving that child to God on a daily basis. Whenever you're praying for your children, consistently you're also asking for the power of God to penetrate their life. Because you recognize, moms, I recognize as a father, you recognize you can only go so far with your kids. You can only do so much. You can Teach them, you can tell them, but you can't change their heart, you can't change their life. So, when you pray consistently for your children, you're asking for the power of God to penetrate their life. And fifthly, when you pray consistently for your children, you're believing listen to this you're believing that something is happening, whether you can see it or not. When you're praying consistently every day for your children, you're praying that something will happen, you're praying and believing that something is happening. Even if you don't see it. Someone said the battle for our children's lives is waged on our knees. That is so true, isn't it? Now here's the reason all of this is important. It's important because you need to remember that while God has a perfect plan for your children, Satan has one too. He has a plan for your children's lives. And his plan is to destroy their lives. And he'll try to use any means possible to do it. So your children need a prayer warrior in their corner, and most of the time, listen to me, most of the time, the prayer warrior in the family is the mother. Now, I'm saying that's the way it has to be, I'm not even saying the way that, that, that it should be, I'm simply saying that's the way it, it, a lot of times that it really is. Dads, we'll talk about your influence here in a few weeks on Father's Day, and you have a great influence on your kids. And dads, you can be the prayer warriors in your family. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But I know just in my own personal family, my dad was a godly man, my spiritual hero. He was a godly teacher. But it was my mom who was the prayer warrior in our family. It was my mom who consistently prayed for us and told us that she, she, I was thinking about it this morning, she consistently told me, Keith, I'm praying for you and I'm praying for your ministry. After I surrendered to preach, as was 17 years old. I mean, if there was anybody who knew how bashful I was, it was my mom. If there was anybody who knew how unlikely it was that I was going to preach, it was my mom. If there's anybody who understands, he can't do this. It was my mom. And so she would tell me all the time, Keith, I'm praying for you. And I sat there with tears kind of building up in my eyes this morning thinking, God's still answering my mama's prayers even today. Moms don't ever underestimate the power of your prayers. And don't forget that your prayers last long after you're gone. So, how do we do this? How do we pray in a way that it matters? How can you pray so that you're working in partnership with God for the lives of your children? do want you to open your, word, your Bible to Colossians chapter 1. Let me show you. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 through 12. Gives us a good template to follow as we pray for our kids. As you're turning there, let me give you the context. Paul is praying for young believers in the church at Colossae. And he never met these people. He had never gone there, but he prayed for them on a regular basis. And if you already are in Colossians, go to chapter 2, verse 1. I'll show you what I'm talking about. I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. So Paul says, I'm struggling for you guys in prayer, though I've never met you, though I've never been there, though I didn't start the church. I'm struggling for you in prayer. And we're fortunate that Paul tells us exactly what he's praying about. We're, in essence, in chapter 1, verses 9 through 12, we're, in essence, reading his prayer journal. And it's a powerful guide that you can use to pray for anybody who's a follower of Jesus. You can use this to pray for your kids. You can use this to pray for your spouse. You can use this to pray for your pastor. You can use this to pray for anybody who's a believer in Christ. But today, I especially want to focus on moms, since it is Mother's Day, and show you moms five ways that you can pray for your children if they know Christ. If they don't know Christ, you can still use this as a pattern to say, God, I pray for this in their life that one day this will become a reality in their life. But let, let me show you why I believe this pattern in Scripture is so important and so, uh, such a great pattern for us to use. It's because everything that Paul lists here is in agreement with the will of God so that you know that when you're praying these prayers, these five things I'm going to give you, you know that you're praying in agreement with God. And by the way, you'll hear me say this more than once today, but you can pray these prayers for your children regardless of how old they are. You can pray these prayers for your children if they're one year old or if they're 50 years old or older, you know, like your pastor. You can pray these prayers for anyone. So let's, let me show you these five things that you can pray for your family, moms, especially that you can pray for your children beginning today. Here's the first one. Ask God to help them to know and understand His will for their lives. Just make that a daily prayer or at least a weekly prayer that God would help them to know and understand His will for their lives. And again, if, you're, if you've got a little baby or if you've got a 30-year-old, ask God to help them know and understand His will for their lives. Look at verse 9. For this reason, Paul says, he says, Here, here's what I'm praying. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, that is, I, I've never been there. I, I don't know you, but I've heard about you. For this reason, since the day that we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking, and here it is, asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul says, the first thing I'm praying about for you new believers in Colossae is that God would fill you with the knowledge of his will, that God would help you to understand what he, how he wants you to live. I know that you're a new Christian, Paul would say, so I'm praying that God would help you. And moms, if you have your Bibles, you might want to underline this phrase, asking God to fill you. Asking God to fill you. In other words, this is not something you can do for them. This is not something you can do as a mom or a dad for your kids. This is something God has to do for them. It is something only God can do, but it's something God is incredibly ready to do. Asking God to fill them. Now that word fill is an important word in this text. It means to fill completely, to fill up to the, to the fullest mark. Or we could say it this way, it means to be controlled by. You know, if somebody is filled with anger, they're controlled by anger. If somebody is filled with the Holy Spirit, they're controlled by the Holy Spirit. Paul was asking God to fill them with the knowledge of His will, that their lives might be might be uh, controlled by knowing the will of God. You see, knowing and understanding the will of God is an important part of any Christian's life, isn't it? Moms, this is a great place for you to start praying for your children who are saved, and if they're not yet saved, this is a great way for you to begin to pray, God, I pray for the day when, when he or she will come to a knowledge of who you are and that they will, will know and understand your will for their lives. One of the reasons that's such a powerful prayer is because there's always more to learn about God. And and there's all, regardless of where they are, what stage they are in life, there's always something else they need to learn about God. And so that's a great place for you to start in your prayer life. And notice what he says in verse 9, how he phrases this We have not stopped praying for you. We have not stopped praying for you. One translation says, we continually ask God. Another translation says, we have not ceased to pray for you. Another says, we kept on praying for you. Do you know why that's such an important phrase? It's because it is so easy for you and for me to pray for a while and then stop. Especially, listen to this, especially if you're not seeing any results to your prayer. It's so hard to keep praying when it looks like it's not working. Sometimes the answers come quickly when, when we pray for our kids, but sometimes they don't. And when they don't, we become discouraged, we become defeated, we might even become a little angry at God, and everything seems to be hopeless, and so we just kind of want to give up. What's the use? Well, let me tell you something. Moms, when you don't see any answer to your prayers for your kids, that's when you need to keep praying the most. That's when you need to pray the hardest. If your child is struggling, that's when you need to pray the hardest. And you're praying, but you don't see results, you keep praying, because they need you to pray. If they're struggling with poor choices that they're making, don't blame yourself. You stay on your knees, and you pray them through that. Instead of giving up, you just resolve that you're going to pray faithfully for that child, that they would understand the will of God. And pray with other believers and just realize that your part in the fight is to pray. It's God's part in the fight to change them. Your part is to pray for them. It is God's part to change their heart. Your part is to be engaged in the battle through prayer. It's God's part to win the battle. So you stay on your knees for your kids that they would understand and know the will of God. And also also, while you're praying, would you remember this? Your child is not the enemy. The devil is. So you stay on your knees and you pray for them, that they would know and understand God's will. That's the first thing you can pray. Here's the second one, number two. Pray that they'll live a life that's pleasing and honoring to God. And you might want to put in parentheses behind that, even if they aren't right now. Pray that they will live a life that is pleasing and honoring to God. Again, if they're a baby, start praying that now. If they're a teenager, you pray real hard about that right now. If they're an adult, you pray right now that they would live a life that is pleasing and honoring to God. Parentheses, even if they're not doing it right now. Look how Paul phrases this in the second part of verse or in verse ten, and we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way. Is there an interesting connection between verse 9 and verse 10. In verse 9, Paul prayed that the believers would understand what God's will is. The key word there is understand. In verse 9, Paul says, I'm praying that you understand what the Lord's will is. In verse 10, Paul prays that they would have the power to do God's will. You see the connection? You see, in the Christian life, knowledge and obedience go together. So, as you pray for your children, don't just pray that they will know the truth, pray also that they will live the truth. You need to pray that they will live what they learn. And let me show you why this is so important. Go over a book or two, to, uh, a couple of books, to Ephesians chapter 5. Real quick Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. <clears throat> It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because, because why? Listen, tell me, because why? The days are evil. Do you think the days that we're living in are evil days? Absolutely they are. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. I want to tell you something. Our kids are facing tremendous pressure to form and conform to culture. Our kids have tremendous pressure and temptations and struggles that some of us never faced or even dreamed of. So we need to pray that they will live a life worthy of the Lord. We need to pray that in the midst of that evil culture that that we all live in, that they would live a life that would be pleasing to God. They'd live a life uh, pleasing to the Lord. Parentheses, even if they're not doing it right now. That's a tough prayer, isn't it? Especially if your kids aren't doing it right now. I read a true story this week about a, a guy named Christopher. Who, he was born to atheist parents. His dad was a dentist, and they had a very comfortable lifestyle. He followed in his dad's footsteps, went to dental school, and like a lot of kids, because he was in, in college and, and had uh, freedom for the first time, he didn't handle it very well. His grades started out really good, and then they tanked, and he got involved in a lot of things, got going deeper and deeper into sin. First he tried drugs, then he dabbled in selling drugs, and then he became a prominent supplier for the dealers in his area. Christopher's mom, an atheist, her name was Angela, or is Angela. Angela was so distraught when she found out what her son was doing, and how he was living, Angela was so distraught that she decided to drive to Kentucky to see her son, to bid him farewell, and then to end her life. She had no other recourse in her mind. There was nothing else she could do. She was such a failure as as a mom because of the way her son was living. The only thing she could think to do was to end her life. But for some reason, on the way to Louisville, she stopped to talk to a chaplain that she knew, which is kind of a strange thing to do if you're an atheist. You don't normally stop to talk to a chaplain. And the chaplain gave her a booklet to read, and, and she talked to the chaplain, took the booklet. When she went outside, she read the booklet and something about what she read kind of grabbed her heart and gave her hope. Eventually, Angela decided not to end her life as she read that book again and she decided to go buy a Bible and she went and bought one and she read it. And she continued to read and the more she read, the more it made sense. The more she read, the more she realized God was real. The more she read, the more she realized how much she needed Jesus and she cried out for Jesus to be her Lord and her Savior. Then she decided she needed to pray for her son. Angela, let me show you a picture. Angela turned an unused shower into a prayer closet. This is her prayer closet where she went to pray for her son. And she prayed for her son so much on her knees reading her Bible and praying for her son that her knees became calloused and hard but she prayed and she prayed and she prayed for Christopher. And in fact, she came to the point where she prayed this prayer, God do whatever it takes to save Christopher. It was a prayer of desperation, but she promised to persevere in prayer until God answered. Well, while Christopher was partying, Angela was praying. And this continued for a while. And eventually, she got a phone call that was from Christopher and said, Mom, I'm in jail. Now, She didn't do what some of us would have done. She actually broke down and started thanking God because she had prayed, God, do whatever it takes to reach Christopher. She decided to start counting her blessings, and she decided to write down and record what she was thankful for. And She looked around. There was an adding machine or calculator there. It had that tape on it, that white tape. She pulled out a long strip and started writing down what she was thankful for in regards to this situation. And she wrote down these words, Christopher is in a safe place, and he called us for the first time, and she wrote that down. She continued to pray, and she continued to write on that, on that tape the things that she was thankful for, and the list continued to grow. Christopher eventually went off to prison on the third day while he was in prison. On the third day, he walked by a trash can, and he saw a book and he, on top of the trash can, and he reached in the trash can, got it, and... and It was a Gideon New Testament. He started to throw it back down, but he thought, I don't have anything else to read. So he took that Gideon New Testament, brand new, and he took it to a cell, and he began to read it. And he read it all the way through. And he read it all the way through a second time, and he read it all the way through a third time, and he read it all the way through a fourth time, and all of a sudden, the lights came on. And he began to understand. It began to make sense to him. He wasn't yet a Christian, but he began to see things he'd never seen before. He began to understand what he had never understood before. He got in a little Bible study with another fellow inmate, and, and they began to study the Scriptures together. Still, he wasn't a Christian. And then he got transferred to another prison. All the time, his mom is praying. When he got to the other prison, he laid down on his bunk, and somebody had written on the bottom of the top bunk. He was on the bottom one. Somebody had written on the bottom of the top bunk these words. He looked up, and he saw, if you're bored, read Jeremiah 29, 11. He thought, well, I'm bored. And so he got out a Bible, and he looked at Jeremiah 29, 11, and he found out that the Bible says, Behold, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you. Give you hope in the future, and Christopher thought, "Could God really have a plan for me? After all of this, made him go back into his Bible even deeper, and Christopher came to saving faith in Christ. By the way, Christopher is not in prison anymore; he travels the nation now as an itinerant preacher, telling others about how they can have hope in Christ." And his mama, his mama still prays for him in that shower. Don't ever underestimate the power of mama's prayers. You continue to pray. Even if they're not willing, even if they're not living for the Lord right now, you continue to pray that one day they will. Here's number three pray that they'll get to know God better and better. Not just come to know the Lord, but pray that they'll get to know God better and better. Back in Colossians chapter 1, looking at the second part of verse 10. Well, let's just read all of verse 10. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. And look at this. You might want to underline it, Mom. Growing in the knowledge of God. What a great thing for you to pray for your children, that they would grow in the knowledge of God. Now, that doesn't mean that they'll know more about God. It simply means that they'll become better acquainted with God. The the language there has the idea of this is more than information, but you're praying that they'll become better acquainted with God. Now, I know that you've prayed for their salvation over the years. I'm sure that you have. You've prayed for their salvation. You also need to pray that once they trust Christ as Savior, they will continue to grow in that relationship. That's what this is talking about. You pray that they'll have a a deeper understanding of who Jesus is. You pray that they'll have a hunger for God's Word. You, You pray that they will acknowledge Jesus in every area of their lives. You pray that above all else, that they would love the Lord. And again, let me say it, even if they're not doing it now, pray that one day they will. Number four, ask God to give them strength for whatever they may face. Verse 11, Paul says it this way, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. It's so easy to give up when trials and troubles come our way and Paul was asking God that the believers in Colossae would have strength so that they would keep going no matter what happens, that they would keep believing, that they would keep walking with the Lord, that they'd keep serving the Lord. And moms and dads, That's an important prayer for us to pray for our kids. Pray that your kids won't quit on God. Pray that your kids will keep going no matter what they face. You see, the devil's plans are a lot stronger than we think they are. In a moment of weakness, our children could end up doing things we never thought that they would do. In a moment of temptation, our kids could give in to something we never thought they would give in to. So ask God to give them strength for whatever they face, whatever they face in school, whatever they face with their friends, whatever they face at work, whatever they face on the computer. Ask God to give them strength for whatever they face, regardless of how young or how old they are. I saw a tweet just this morning that I thought was so good I wanted to include it. Somebody wrote this, they said, If sin can destroy Samson, who was the strongest, and Solomon, who was the wisest, and Judas, who was a disciple, and David, who was a man after God's own heart, it will also try to outsmart and overpower and overcome you as well. I thought, man, that's so good. If sin can do that to David, a man after God's own heart, if sin can destroy Solomon, the wisest man ever, if sin can do that, it can overcome you too. And overcome your kids. So ask God to give them strength for whatever they face. Imagine what it could do if you were on your knees for your children on a regular basis saying, God, I don't even know what they're facing sometimes. I don't even know where they are sometimes. But I'm praying that you'll give them strength for whatever it is they're facing. Because I know the enemy wants to bring them down. Here's number five. Pray that they'll always be full of the joy of the Lord. Here's how Paul says it in verse 12, or at the end of verse 11, he says, And joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. The Living Bible translates it this way, always full of the joy of the Lord. He said, Pastor, why is that important? Look up here and I'll tell you why it's important. Because the things that your your family will face and the things that your kids will face will not always be joyful, not always be easy. But they can have the joy of the Lord even in the midst of trials, can't they? Remember Paul and Silas in prison, facing perhaps uh, persecution or maybe death, and they're in prison, and at midnight, what are they doing? They have the joy of the Lord, and they're singing in the middle of their prison. They were full of the joy of the Lord. And if your child is going through difficult times, pray that they would find joy in the Lord. Not in their circumstances, but they'd find joy in the relationship with the Lord. So if if you've got an adult child and they're in a difficult job, pray they'll find joy in the Lord. If you've got an adult child and they're going through their second marriage and it's on the rocks, pray that they'll find joy in the Lord. They're not finding it in the marriage. Pray they'll find joy in the Lord. If you've got a young child that's facing serious illness, pray that they'll find joy in the Lord. Pray that you'll find joy in the Lord. If you've got a teenager that's walking away from the Lord, pray that they will once again experience the joy of the Lord. As you pray, remember something. That no matter what stage or age your child is in, regardless of what they're going through or wrestling this, please remember this. When you release your child to God, they are always in good hands. Always in good hands. So You just pray. Say, Lord, I'm just putting them in your hands. I'm praying these five things, and I'm just putting them in your hands today. I put them in your hands yesterday, and now I'm putting them in your hands today. Because, God, I believe... You can do what I can't do. See, I've come today to tell you this. Mama's prayers can be powerful. I don't know if you've ever heard of Evie Hill. Dr. E.V. Hill is in heaven now. He, was, he is on in my top ten list of favorite preachers of all time. I've heard him preach several times at conferences, and, and I heard him tell this story that I'm going to tell you. Dr. E.V. Hill was the pastor of Mount Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Los Angeles, and, and he he grew up poor and he grew up hard. In fact, it was in the days of desperate days of depression and his real mother didn't even have the money to feed her kids. She had five kids and she didn't have the money to feed all of them. So she sent little Ed to go live with a friend in another county. Little Ed grew up in a little town called Sweet Home. And Ed grew up calling that, that lady who took him in. He just grew up calling her mama. And she cared for him and loved him and prayed for him and... Eventually, Ed did what most of the people in his little town didn't do. He graduated from high school. Most of the kids in his little town, when they got to 10th grade, they went to work, usually in the fields. Ed's mama said, you're not going to do that. You're going to graduate from high school. In fact, he was the only kid that had graduated that year in that little county town. And then she had the audacity to say, you're going to go to college. Ed said some deacons came from his church to counsel his mama and said, Now, listen, you, you don't have the money to send him to college, and he needs to go out and earn a living. He's a strong boy. He can go out and earn a living. You, you don't need to try to send him out. She said, He's going to college. And, and she started praying that God would make a way. Of course, they applied, did all that they needed to do, and eventually the day came for Ed to leave for college. He said, I still remember it so clearly. Went down to the bus station. My mama handed me the ticket, and he said, then she reached in her pocket, and she handed me $5. She said, now, son, God's going to make a way. He said, "And before I got on the bus, she grabbed me, and she said, don't you forget, your mama is praying for you. Ed said, I got on the bus time I got to where I was going, he said, I'd spent most of that $5. He said, I got to the, to the school and I had $1.83 in my pocket. He said, I went directly to registration. And when I got to registration, there was a big sign there that said, Registration fee, $80. Cash, check, or money order. He said, I stood there bewildered and I heard Satan say, Now, which one of those do you have? He said, then I heard in my mama's ear, her voice say, your mama's praying for you. He says, I went and got in line. All the other students, one by one, they paid the registration fee, and they went on, they paid. and I step, kept. He said, well, the whole time I was in line, Satan kept telling me, get out of line, you ain't got no money. What are you doing in line? He said, but my mama said she was praying for me, so I stayed in line. He said, I started to get real nervous because it's just one person between me and the registration person, one girl, and she took care of her stuff. He said she was gathering up her books and everything, and as she turned to go, I was about to go forward thinking I'm stepping up here and I got $1.83, but my mama said that she was praying for me. He said, as she turned to go, all of a sudden, he said, I felt a hand on my shoulder as I started to step forward, and Dr. Drew said, are you Ed Hill? He said, yes, sir. He said, are you Ed Hill from Sweet Home? He said, yes, sir, I am. He said, we've been looking for you all morning. He said, why why are you looking for me? What did I do? And he said, no, it's not what you did. He said, we've been looking for you to tell you that we got a full four-year scholarship for you, covers your books and your board and your tuition, and give you $30 a month to spend. He said, and I heard in my ear, your mama's praying for you. tell you all of that to tell you this one last statement. I'm going to put it on the screen. Look at it with me. Things happen when we pray that will not happen when we don't. That's not original with me. I read that from Stormy Martin. I was reading her book, and this is what she said. Things happen when we pray that will not happen when we don't. Mama's prayers can be Powerful. Mama, listen to me. You got to pray them. You got to pray them again. You got to pray them again. And you got to pray them again. Because things happen when we pray that will not happen when we don't. Would you pray with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to finish this prayer that Paul prayed. I want to read you the rest of the prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to read you the rest of the prayer that Paul prayed. He says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints and the kingdom of light. Do you know that God has qualified you? If If you're a Christian, God has qualified you. He has made you fit for heaven. You weren't fit. You were a sinner, but God qualified you through Jesus Christ. Then he goes on to say, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. He's rescued us, he said, and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. God has rescued us and brought us out of darkness into the light. God has rescued us and brought us out of this family of darkness into the family of God. So mamas, pray for your kids. That if they don't know God as Savior like that, that then one day they will. That God will rescue them. Bring them out of darkness into His family of light. And if you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's what God can do for you. And it could be that your mama's been praying about that for a long time. And today, God could answer your mama's prayers. Just recognizing that You'll never be fit for heaven, but God has made you fit for heaven. That's what the text says. He's qualified us. When Jesus died on the cross, He qualified us. And when you put your faith in what Christ did on the cross to pay for your sins, that means He's qualified you so He can rescue you from the kingdom of darkness and give you a new life. What better day for you to trust Christ as a Savior than on Mother's Day? Knowing your mom's been praying for you a long time. Mom, maybe you don't know the Lord. And you can't be this kind of mom to your kids until you do. Or dads, maybe you don't know the Lord, and it really needs to start with you. You are the leader of the home. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, you'd be honored. You'd be glorified. And lives will be changed. Amen.